He has killed one of us. He was defending himself. He needs to be destroyed! Kill him. That may be. But not here. And not like this. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute presents Waterworld H2O Minutes at a Time. I'm Rick. I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minutes 23 and 24, which begin with everyone freaking out because the Mariner has a mutation, and they end with the Mariner sitting in a metal cage. Our special guests joining us this week because it is an episode divisible by four. We have Caitlin and Chris from A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. Hello. Hello. So good to have you. I think, Caitlin, this is the first time we've had you as an official representative of your Star Trek podcast. Yeah, that's true. Our previous visits, it was me and some of the other former foxes in the hen house. But now we get to have Chris along with us. Yeah. Hello. You're one of the more outspoken members of a very outspoken podcast group. <laughs> is that a really diplomatic way of saying, like, the most shouty and angry? <laughs> <laughs> And usually about really silly things, like, I hate how that ship is designed. I have very strong aesthetic opinions. <laughs> and there are so many aesthetic things to talk about in this movie. Let's start off there. You sent me several messages last night because you sat down and you watched the three-hour cut that I sent you. What are your feelings about Waterworld? Oh my god, I loved it. I really loved it. I had never seen it before, and I've never heard anything good about it before, right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm really excited to do this with Rick and Julia. I don't know how this movie's going to be. And we started watching it, and then I saw, I was like, oh my god, it's the three-hour cut? Oh my god. But no, instantly, incredibly entertained. It's so clear immediately like why you picked this movie, because it's sort of like, reverse Mad Max, where it's like, instead of no water, we have too much water. As we started watching it, I was like, do not become too addicted to the dirt. And then the guy's like eating the dirt, like it's so pure. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> no, I just thought it was super, super entertaining. I loved opening on Kevin Cosner taking a pee into his cup. I was like, great. Because that was the only thing I knew about Waterworld was like, oh, Kevin Cosner drinks his own pee. And I was like, and we get right to it. Perfect. Well, that's from um, Dana Carvey there. Yeah, Dana Carvey had a bit in like a 1990s stand-up special where he's like, I, you mean I can pay whatever small price it was for a ticket back then? $6 to watch Kevin Cosner drink his own urine? That's basically all I knew about it. So I was like, oh, wait a sec. Is this Dances with Wolves? Yeah, all right. I know this guy. All right, great. I really liked it. I've talked a lot. What did you think? Yeah, so similarly, I'd never seen it. I only knew it by reputation. As a child, even before I really was aware of a larger world, like the zeitgeist at the time was just, this movie was a disaster. And even little me knew that. You know, there was a joke in The Simpsons about it. There's jokes in The Cable Guy about it. All I knew was it was supposedly a terrible film. And then it was so much fun. It's so ridiculous, but in the best possible way. Yeah, no, I Dude, regret having... Skis. Just murderous <laughs> villains on jet skis. Like, yeah. that's the best. I regret having not seen it sooner, but I am glad that my first experience with it was this 
apparently from what I read online yesterday, like kind of fan edit kind of is my understanding. The story behind the Ulysses cut is that it started out as a fan edit of people going around and collecting all of these deleted scenes. And by the time the <laughs> studio caught wise to this and started releasing Blu-ray editions, they eventually said, well, why are we having people pirate our movie to watch this long edition? We'll just release our own. So there now exists on Blu-ray the, I think it's called Extended Edition. That is essentially the Ulysses cut, but more official. So the person who is opposed to stealing videos off the internet is able to watch it in all of its splendor, like we are. Arrow, who are sort of a newish company that are trying to sort of set themselves up as a Criterion competitor, <laughs> recently put out an edition that has the original cut, the TV cut, and the Ulysses cut, as well as some kind of big documentary they made for it. Yeah, that's something I need to put on the shopping list. We bought the huge box set of all the Mad Max movies. I feel like nice. it's only right that we do that for the Waterworld movie. Well, yeah. if you're going to do it, yeah. Chris discovered, don't buy it through Amazon. Go through Arrow directly or else you're going to way overpay. Yeah, because on, oh, on Arrow you can get it for 35 bucks. Amazon It's only 35 Did you order it already? Not yet. Oh, my Amazon God. Amazon only has like one copy left and it's $124. Oh. Wow. Okay. It's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. Is this yeah. called the Ulysses cut because the, I'm going to give you this name piece at the end, spoilers, isn't in the original? That is the long and short of it. In the theatrical cut, he just kind of pieces out. She doesn't say, oh, here's your new name. I'm going to call you Ulysses. And he just kind of leaves. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of hard to leave after someone gives you a name, though, don't you? Like, it seems just like, all right, I got this name. Maybe I should stick around. But he's like, nah. See you later. It takes a special type of person, a person like the Mariner, who spends so much of his time refusing things. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Don't make me have sex with one of your teenagers. Oh, God. Don't expect me to hang around when you give me a name. Come on. So has anyone made a wham joke yet? Wet a Mad Max? Oh, you know, I was just thinking as we started recording, what would the WAP stand for for Waterworld? So I'm guessing... Wet apocalyptic people? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I made a joke about it when he like grabbed her and they went into the water together. And I was like, mm. well, it's a wet AP word now. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of that. Because <laughs> there are plenty of women in the background of these movies. It's just we only have two of them that actually speak, which actually is pretty on par for a Mad Max movie. Mm. Of course, what? Caitlin recognizing the babby. Oh, from, my like, God. I just had like three in a row. We were mm -hmm. watching as soon as Gregor entered and started doing this like frantic little run. I was like, oh, my God, it's Edouard Delacroix. It's the groovy guy from Fear and Loathing. Like so, literally the first few seconds, that overhead shot. Like not even a you good, had a good look at him. He's no. using that silly accent. She goes, oh, I know who that is. And I'm like, what? And then they show him proper. And I'm like, son of a B word. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm then... trying to make up for past sins. I'm like, they're not going to bleep me this week. And then Sab, Sh Sab Shimono, I think his name was. Mm -hmm. She recognized immediately from Turtles 3. Because when you first see Enola, you really just see her back because she's fiddling for something. But as soon as we got that face shot, I was like, oh my God, I know her too. I was like, give me a second. I was like, is that Mac from Veronica Mars? I swear to God, it is. It looks, she looks the exact same as she did. And uh, Chris was just like, God 
dang it. And I was like, nailed it. Yeah. Didn't catch Dennis Hopper, though. Because, okay, because I don't haven't seen that many movies that Dennis Hopper is no, in. No, I know. Yeah, I'm not sure I've really seen anything with him either. So he's like in the really infamously terrible, uh, I almost said Ninja Turtles, that's not it. The Super Mario Brothers movie. He's mm-hmm. like Bowser. If I ever saw that movie in its entirety, it was like probably 28 years ago. Yeah. You know? And he and looks... Who, what else was he in? Apocalypse Now, but he was also Young. way younger and yeah. had hair. I mean, he has hair in Ninja Turtles. Not Ninja... Dang it, now I'm doing Sorry. it. Sorry. He has hair in Mario <laughs> Brothers as well, but it's... Did he have both eyes in both of those movies? Maybe yes. that's why I didn't recognize. He also has a beard in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah, the one-eyed look really suits him. Yeah. Especially because he's got that cool eye patch. Yes. <laughs> oh, Yeah. He definitely is the best part of the movie. Because he knows what kind of movie he's in? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I should qualify all of my opinions on this by saying that I am probably one of the most easily entertained people in the world, with the possible exception of my father. He likes pretty much everything. I like most things. I am the one person in the world who enjoys Van Helsing, unironically. (laughs) Because I'm like, yeah, it's stupid, but that's the point. It's a movie with the Wolfman Dracula and a Frankenstein who practically sings all of his lines. So I enjoy an absurd film, and that's what this is. And it's just, oh, it's so good in its absurdity. It's hard for me to hate Van Helsing because, for one thing, Faramir from Lord of the Rings gives the Wolverine a crossbow that is just an automatic machine gun. Yep. And also, you got to give credit (laughs) to any movie where the sidekick gets the girl, and the hero doesn't. Kind of felt that way about Pirates of the Caribbean, too. They're sort of co-leads, but I see what you're saying. I guess, but I feel like Jack Sparrow is the thing. Anyway, that has nothing to do with water. Well, no, there's um, boats. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit to do with Waterworld, because in one of the pirate movies, Jack Sparrow has a jar of dirt, just like the Mariner. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. There's this whole thing where... Tia Dalma gives him a jar of dirt, and he's like, this is a jar of dirt. And she's like, do you not want it? And he's like, no, I want it. (laughs) (laughs) And then he starts taunting the squid face guy with it. Yeah, yeah, David Jones. I forgot all about that. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy mutant-looking people in that movie. Speaking of mutants. Yes. We start off this clip with the Gatesman, Rick Aviles, shouting, mutation. And it's another amazing line read to start off a clip. Mm-hmm. And it drums everybody up into such a frenzy. You've got the elder who's shouting, he's a muto, which Mm. on the scale of slang words for mutation, I'm willing to accept muto. I think that word also popped up in some X-Men stuff at one point. Must have. But this response to hearing that someone has a mutation is so explosive. The entire atoll descends into chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it clear that they have been through this before. It's not like they're like, oh, he's got gills. What's the deal with that? No, they are immediately like, no, this is a bad thing. We need to destroy him. I'm sorry. It's the mid-90s, and you use the phrase, what's the deal? So now I can imagine Waterworld Jerry Seinfeld on the side of the atoll. What's the deal deal? with people with gills? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I like that. It's funnier than most of his actual stand-up, so I'd say good call. (laughs) So you think this is a situation where they've encountered a mutant before? Yeah. And so their violent response is a practiced thing, maybe? Yes. I think they're on the other end of the X-Men war and the X-Men lost. 
I think they've been through this and they don't like it and they've taken care of it in the past. They know what they want. They're going to do it again. And they probably at least have monthly drills. Everybody gets checked. Yeah. When we're going to enact Plan Muto, half of them were probably like, ah, it's another fire drill. It's not even real. I'm just going to keep whatever the equivalent of typing at your desk is when a fire drill goes off at work. (laughs) Tasting the dirt. Yeah, I've got more dirt to taste. Also, he has a nickname for these guys. So the very first time you encounter something, you don't automatically have a nickname for it. That's something that is acquired over some experience and some time. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. They must have seen this before. I guess I'm just having trouble wrapping my head around why the response is so violent. I don't know. Look at history. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People don't really deal great with things they don't understand. Yeah. But you'd feel like he's more well equipped to deal with the world than they are. I would have thought they definitely want him to continue with the potential mating at that point. Be like, oh, maybe her kids will be able to breathe water, too. That would be good. Yeah. Now the smart people in this group are going, oh, that's how he got the dirt. He swam for it. So how has he not proven that this is a valuable mutation? The atoll seems like a crappy place to live. It's this awful little small-minded area. The a-holes from the atoll. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love it. Not to get out of the minutes too much, but like... Again? Sorry. The intro, that's, I assume, acceptable, but now we're actually trying to focus. But there's no good society that we see in this, I think. When you look at it, you're just like, I mean, everything's terrible. And these people seem, you know, like, awful. They're so afraid of different, they don't, like you said, consider the fact that actually this is good. If we want to survive, because as far as we know, dry land is a myth, we should probably be ready for the swimming. I feel like if I met someone with gills, I would have the Gregor response, including being like inappropriately close and being like, can I see him? What's it like? (laughs) I was slightly grossed out. I mean, they did it well, but just the effect of the like gill behind the ear. It was a little gnarly. Yeah, we'll get to them later, but I think they did a lot better job with the ear gills than they did with the webbed toes. Oh, oh my God, yeah, oh. no, the webbed toes are really oh. bad. Yeah. It looks like they just, like, dipped him in for, like, a paraffin wax, mm-hmm. and we're like, all right, just shape it a little, just so there's, like, toenails, sort of. The worst pair of slippers imaginable. <laughs> it's like those hobbit feet. They were oh, like, perfect, yes. those are webbed feet. Good, they look great. <laughs> gross, 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 gross. Yep. Speaking of stuff that's kind of gross... The Mariner is fighting off these two Gatesmen. He is headbutting their hands to get them off of him, but he reaches back and he grabs the handle of a spear gun at oh, yeah. Rick Avilas' waist. And before he even pulls the trigger, they focus in on the bottom of that spear gun. And I'm pretty sure that's an entire shark tooth lashed to the oh. front of that bolt. You know, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense, and I love it. Yeah, it makes sense in the world, right? They would use stuff like that, because it's sharp and serrated and stuff. The spear gun goes off. Mm -hmm. The bolt goes down through Rickavilas' foot. And yet, when we see Rickavilas fall over and the bolt is stuck through his foot, it doesn't actually look like the shark tooth bolt is the thing that went through his foot, because his foot is very clean. It appears to me that they just super glued one half of the bolt onto the top of his shoe and the other half on the bottom because there is no giant entry hole that a shark tooth would make. And when he falls over, it doesn't even look like there's a shark tooth on the bottom. I'm just saying they spent $172 million on this movie. 
throw Whoa. a little gore on the foot. Is that in 95 money? That's in 1995 yeah. money. Oh my God. This movie's insane. Oh, yeah. dude. Well, you see. And how could they have even made back that amount of money in 95? Like, you would have to. How? Oh, it took God, them 20 years, wild. but they eventually broke even. <laughs> oh, good. Well, also, it gave me a new horrible traumatic foot injuries to add to the list. Just under Marv stepping on a nail, you know, in Home Alone. <laughs> Number two, shark tooth through the foot. You know what it is? It's the shot was just so fast that his body hasn't had time to react and start bleeding. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with that. And the shoe is made of a self-healing fabric. You've sure, seen those before. They kind of yeah. yeah. Well, it's probably made that. of shark skin. Yeah. It's probably made of the same animal that the tooth is from. When they <laughs> eventually make a Waterworld prequel, they'll actually show that it cauterizes the wound instantaneously, so no blood. It's like a lightsaber. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very handy that way. It was a light shark's tooth. Well, li- lightsabers <laughs> as of Empire. Oh, was it Empire? I thought it was a prequel thing. No, Damn, no. I messed it's... up my own joke. No, no, you you, you didn't. I'm just being pedantic because in, in episode four, when Obi-Wan lops off that guy's arm in the cantina, there is blood all over the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. There is. But it's Empire that establishes, uh, never mind, it cauterizes the wound instantly. Because we just hacked off Mark Hamill's hand. They didn't want to have a f- great fountainous plumes of blood flying out of his stump. No, because that would be quite <laughs> oh, God, Tarantino Star Wars. <laughs> it would be like splashing on the Falcon's window and stuff. Oh. You know, it'd be awful. Sorry, the Falcon. Anyway, I can just imagine they're flying up to get him when he's hanging on that little TV antenna and he's waving at him with his stump and the blood's just splattering all over the windshield. Yeah, really, forget Quentin Tarantino. This is Monty Python's Star Wars. (laughs) Lando comes out in a poncho. (laughs) It's like being in the first row at... um... (laughs) Blue Man Group. There we go. I was a Gallagher guy that, show. Gallagher, yeah, that's who I was oh, thinking. Great. Yeah, because I could make a sensible reference, or I could make no. a dated go, one. Go for Gallagher always. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did not consider the uh, lack. I, it's such a quick shot. It I is. I guess that it's easy to miss, at least well, on a first viewing. You've seen Rick's outline. Yes, and Rick yes. and Julia's outline. Sorry, I. Oh, I have nothing to do with the outline. <laughs> All right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure to give credit where it was due. I use the outline for my own prep. Rick does all the work around here. But yeah, it is less than one second of screen time. Something that I want to bring up and kind of get your opinions on. Over the course of this fight, he ends up in the water and struggling in the water and they throw the net over him and that's how he's eventually caught. But he has gills. Why didn't he just swim down? I'm glad you brought that up because that's in my just notes. Just keep swimming. I said that too, So in my head, there's a lot of Finding Nemo references <laughs> that I have refrained from saying out loud. <laughs> oh my God, no, don't hold back. Do it. <laughs> but yeah, just keep swimming. And then that led me to something else. Another thought that, okay, the answer of why he didn't just keep swimming down is because then he would lose his boat and all the supplies that he has built up over time. And that's a really cool boat. So you don't want to lose is. it. So... Why doesn't he have stashed in places where he knows underwater? Like, oh, what are oh, they like called? At the bottom of his boat, almost. You could just like strap. Yeah, down strap there. like a bag. What are they called? Burn bags, bail bags, bug ba- bug out bags. Bug out, yeah, bug out you bags. You got it. He needs bug out bags. Yeah, like strapped to the bottom underneath. Where in a situation exactly like this, where something went south, he can grab it and just swim down. I also like the idea of him being able to access the center hull of his trimaran from underwater, like a hatch that he can open. Yeah. 
Well, isn't he talk about it like at the beginning? He's like, yeah, my boats are super damaged. It's like, I mean, you say damaged, <laughs> but yeah, it's like a reverse skylight. It's actually perfect. The whole I'm totally telling the truth, stranger I just met. I don't have gills. I was in an air pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy's like, oh, yeah, I totally didn't steal stuff off your boat. So oh, I, was so in- I was very angry by that when I when we saw that part. I was like, that dirty bee. <laughs> <laughs> All his limes. They looked well, they look really plastic. Fake. But, really fake. But aside from that, they look great. I like I like a lime. But I like, I like, like lime. I like lime flavoring, I should say. I guess I yeah, would sit there a little just... bit of lime juice on like oh, yeah. anything makes it yeah, better. Yeah. It's so good. It's like salt. Fish tacos. Yeah, aside fish tacos. from ceviche, I don't like lime. You I put the like lime, lime in the coconut. I know I'm a freak. I know it's a me thing, but I don't love it. I think the reason why, though, he didn't swim down is because he wanted to save some of his magical gill powers for later in the movie. Like, you know, bell jar diving and making out to survive. Rescue breathing. <laughs> yeah, breathing for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely oh, the movie doesn't me. want I'm, to give away too much I'm breathing for two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could also just argue, like, at the end of the day, there were, like, five or six guys yanking on that net. And we know his mutation gives him gills, but aside from that, he seems to just be a dude. You know, he may swim like a dolphin, but he does not have the strength of a dolphin. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. he does. <laughs> The proportionate size and strength of a dolphin. <laughs> that scene was so funny. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, although it was not you, during this two minutes, I'm sorry. As you said, Caitlin, when we were watching, like one thing that is kind of upsetting about that scene is like it's hard to kind of completely separate yourself from the fact that, like, yeah, he's got gills, but you know, in reality, there was a stuntman in a net underwater, and that just sets off something inside you oh, as a person, yeah. akin to claustrophobia. Yeah. Y'all ever seen Casino Royale? Ooh, once a long time ago. Okay, so you remember at the end, the big, like, one of the big... Oh, yeah, a cage going underwater? Yeah, and she's just like, I'm just gonna take a deep, deep breath and just drink this water and die. Yeah, that was rough. Okay, anybody ever been in a pool? You know when you dive off the diving board into a pool and you're, what, eight feet, ten feet down... As soon as you hit bottom, or at least as soon as I do, I'm like, oh my god, air! I need air right now! Even though I know two seconds above, there's air, right? Like, you know, there's no way you're dying in this pool, unless, I'm sure it's possible if you can't swim, but you know what I'm saying. I feel like, I don't know how anyone acts underwater, and the idea of someone being underwater and getting caught in a net, dudes hanging off, I was just like, nope, there's not enough money in the world. No way. That's why stuntmen, when we used them, we're well paid. Now it's all CG. All things being equal, I'm fine underwater. But as soon as you put any kind of obstacle in my way, yeah, yeah there's like this urgency. I may be fine for another 30 seconds, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, the underwater scene in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, where Tom Cruise has to oh, swim yeah. underneath and steal the thing and swap oh, it out for another thing. Yeah, that's so ridiculously long. <sighs> Yeah. Minutes. Indiana Jones underwater. And didn't didn't he actually Oh probably. Yeah. Like probably. actually do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's Tom something Cruise actually he did would it? do. He did yeah, all he loves to do his He stuff. does yeah. all his own stunts if he if the studio will let him. That guy's wild. What a guy. <laughs> Before the mariner gets tossed into the water, he shakes off the gatesman and he reaches down into his boot and he pulls out this little knife. And I know not all utility knives are meant for combat. But as he holds out this knife to threaten the people around him, I can imagine that Paul Hogan is somewhere rolling his eyes and <laughs> yeah. preparing a speech. 
Yeah. Would oh. that even reach a vital organ? <laughs> Depends on how fat your combatant, I suppose. <laughs> you don't need to reach a vital organ when you've got a jugular. No, I know. You just gotta nick him enough to make him back off. But, like, I feel like the guy he manages to kill, he just kind of gets barely in the gut. Well, I thought that was with that guy's knife, which was longer and more... Oh, you know what it was, yeah, he, like, grabbed his hand and made it look really easy to just turn the hand around and shove it in his own gut. It was weird. And then he looked straight at the camera and said, eat that, Paul Hogan. (laughs) Yeah, the genius atoller that thought, oh, here's a guy on the end of the dock. He may not have heard them yell gills. But he definitely heard them yell mutation, and so his tactical idea of tackling this stranger into the water, what kind of mutation did he assume the Mariner had? Like, oh, maybe he can turn to stone on Will, and I'll drown him. (laughs) Maybe it's like Luffy, where he can stretch, but he can't swim. (laughs) Maybe he was hoping it was just really lame, like Jubilee and... Just fireworks fire, everywhere. Tiny fireworks. I figured that won't work underwater, right? Okay, I just want to say that was our first One Piece reference. <laughs> really? Yep. Wow. And I've only seen like 20 episodes. Because I don't watch it. Julia doesn't watch it. I have no idea what you're talking about. None of our other guests have watched it. It's an anime. It's a pirate anime, and they all have yep. crazy abilities. Oh, and I had no idea boats. that you watched One Piece. Or I, I tried to get into it, but I was like, like... Dragon Ball Z or Naruto. Or most soap operas. Fights just take oh. eight or nine episodes. And I was like, I, I can't. Especially knowing there's eight, literally, I think, 800 episodes of the show now. I That's... was like, you know what? I know this is one of the biggest anime in the world, but I don't got the time. I'm 36. This is too much. That's how Food Wars is. It's a young It'll man's like... game. Yeah. <laughs> Give me an anime where the fights are contained in one, maybe two episodes if it's the finale. Samurai Champloo? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yes, I will say, though, I am pleased that I was the first one to reference that. I'll take it. I'll give you the no prize for that one. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) We cut outside of the water real quick. Helen is dropping off the things that she was carrying, and I know that Gene Triplehorn is the focus of this quick insert shot they did, but in the background, off to Gene's left, our right... You can see in the background, there's the matriarch and the young woman that was offered to the Mariner and a bunch of other atollers, and they're staying out of the violence, but they are sticking to their atoller nature and hanging around to watch the drama because atollers love sticking their noses in other people's business. Mm. Well, there's nothing else going on. (laughs) Their lives must be so dull. Yeah. They don't have anime. Yeah, no. Well, and also, it's just, it's not a huge place. Even if you went to your room, you'd hear it all anyway. You might as well see it, too. Can't even imagine all of them have their own rooms. True. No, you're probably right, actually. All bunking together. Life on the atoll. Sure, if you're a social person, it's better than being alone. But on the other end, there's no way you're not constantly smelling the organo barge. Mm. Yeah. After a while, you must just block it out. You go nose blind to it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The nose, like, adapts really fast to smells and stuff and tries to, like, protect you from them, I think, so. Yeah. It's, uh, still. I. Oof. Yeah, that would be disgusting. Even when you're used to a smell, there's every so often there's that time where it kicks through. And you must just be like, ah, oh, the mango tree. Oh, God, the algae. <laughs> Never mind that. These people don't even bathe. Not a lot, right? They're like, you ever had a freshwater bath? Like, I bet that means that's a luxury, so. Yeah. 
And you know. I'm guessing they don't have antiperspirant. So I'm thinking it's a pretty stinky place. Mm-hmm. Also, does Kevin Cosner as a mutant also have like an anti-cancer gene? Because I feel like he would just have sun cancer. Oh, everybody. Everyone has it, right? Like, I just, ugh. I did notice they gave him, I don't know if you can see it well in any of the shots in these minutes, but. He, yeah, the little white. You Like, yeah, they're really like. I guess to imply he squints enough. Oh that, yeah, I've noticed that. Like that he squint actually lines like scro- yeah. scro- are uh, like, yeah, like not tan or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. It's an interesting touch. I think I like it, but it's like wow, how, that's a strong squint. You would think with him constantly diving down to the bottom of the ocean, and particularly we've assumed that he's finding old like ski resorts. That he yeah. would find at least one pair of intact sunglasses. Yeah, because yeah. eye protection's huge on ski slopes. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. sunny and bright up there. Yeah, because <laughs> there, there's plenty out there even for uh, other folks. We see uh, various versions in other parts of the film. Uh, the flim. <laughs> I'm just picturing that Burgess Meredith Twilight Zone. He finally gets away from uh. all the people and one of his sunglasses breaks. And he's like, no! <laughs> there was time now. Yeah. I just want a scene where the Mariner says one of his lines that he thinks is really cool, and then he puts on a pair of ridiculous-looking sunglasses because they're the only ones he could find. <laughs> Does he ever say anything cool? No. <laughs> like he says a like, lot of stuff. You that can he have a half an cool. hour with her sunglasses. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Now that because you bring up ski resorts, because of course that's obviously where those boots came from. I just sort of oh. wish there was one scene. Where he's wearing a little knit ski cap. (laughs) Maybe with a bobble. Is that just to keep yourself from being distracted by the fact that he's definitely on the hair loss train? Yeah, that's why they didn't add the CGI gore to the foot. It's because they were too busy adding CGI hair to the top of Kevin Costner's head. (laughs) And that's not entirely a joke. Not entirely. (laughs) What, really? Yes, that is. Oh my god! That is one of the behind-the-scenes things we read about. Which he denies, right? Oh, yeah. He denies it, but the people who actually did the visual Mm. effects on this movie have to say otherwise. Yeah, I believe them. (laughs) It's kind of like how uh, there's a shot in Star Trek V where uh, Shatner made them airbrushes took us so it didn't look so fat. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it's the scene where he's talking to the Admiral. That is so easy to believe. Yeah. Well, really he is. had a special girdle shirt in the original series, the green shirt. If you ever saw him wearing a, a green shirt rather than his yellow shirt, that's the girdle shirt or the shirtle, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was definitely shirtly enough for the shirtle club. <laughs> anyway, uh, as I mentioned before, these atollers have lost their goddamn minds. Yes. As Kevin Costner is pulled to the surface and the Mariner is being dragged back to the dock. There are people in the background. They are slapping the water with oars. There is one kid who is hanging off of a support pole for an awning, and he is thrashing himself back and forth, having a total conniption. I don't get these atollers, and I'm kind of glad they all die. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I think that's how they know that the inbreeding was a bad idea. They're like, our kids thrash around like they're seizing constantly. I feel like that's not... We need to reintroduce something new into the gene pool here. I did not like the Atollers. They immediately become, in this sequence, some sort of 
you know, 17th century American village screaming witch. Mm -hmm. And you're just immediately, like, against them as a sensible audience member. Well, Sab Shimono, earlier in this movie, said, We can look to our own for reproduction, but too much of that sort of thing can get undesirable. So there are probably too few many banjos on this atoll. Yep. You can say... 17th century New England village with witches, or you could say 1950s Alabama small town with anybody that who too, isn't yeah. pasty white. Yeah. That's definitely the vibe I got from all of this, especially in our current climate, Yeah, where as a white woman in New England, I do not experience this type of thing, but there are very many people all over the country and all over the world who get accosted exactly like this for... No reason. And there's nothing they can do about it. He was going. He was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, he was going to leave, but that wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. He brought them dirt. Good dirt. You would think the purest of dirt. You would think they would just be like, you know, normally we would F with you, but you kind of gave us a little bit of future. Well, but see, they get their dirt and they get their stuff back. Yeah, I don't Yeah, they got everything. Mm -hmm. I'm actually glad that you brought up the like, certain parts of the country thing because i was starting to think of it as like maybe this is a speaking in tongues religious type of thing but i think what you're saying is more likely because dennis hopper is the deacon and there's definitely a very weird religious aspect to that maybe and we see the atollers doing some weird religious thing too so like is it religious also, is it a comment like on evangelicalism or something? Like, what's going on? I think it really could go both ways. It could be parallel to a racial thing. It can also be parallel to religious zealotry. That's the thing about symbolism is. Yeah. You see in it what applies to you. I think you're right, though. I think the Atollers are a bit more like weird, borderline, culty, evangelical. The Deacon's a bit more... Like Catholic, well, yeah. I was guess, well, not even Catholic. He's obviously got way wider appeal. He could just worship at the altar of consumerism, like so many Americans, and then that's their religion, right? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where Definitely. are they getting the cigarettes? I sorry, I don't. I have no. But for idea. real, they I have, have no idea. Of I've had that question the whole time. Where are they coming from? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Caitlin at one point goes, are they called the smokers because they all smoke? It's like, no, no, I think it's because they have engines and stuff. We were like, both oh, right. Oh, no, it's probably because of the cigarettes. No, we are both right. Because early on, you don't realize, like, some of them have cigarettes, but then later on, you're like, oh, no, this is, like, their big thing. Like, <laughs> I love... <laughs> uh, I just want to talk about the whole movie. I know I can't. <laughs> Sorry. I really... I just... I loved it so much. Oh, man. It is interesting that and I think in a way, maybe it's a thing in their favor. Because most movies, I think, would want to have sort of a very obvious good guys, bad guys dichotomy. But again, from what little we've seen of the Atoll, these people are jerks. And it's like, I don't particularly like them either. Is anyone nice in this world? No? Okay. But I get it. It's the end of the world. No one is going to be nice. Despite REM's assertions, if it's the end of the world, not everybody is going to feel fine. No. That's one reason why I don't want to survive <laughs> an apocalypse. Because you're right, oh, there are no good yeah. guys. No, absolutely. Kevin Costner, the Mariner, is... Well, he's our protagonist. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a good person. He's our protagonist. Oh, And but he isn't a he good is person. He is a oh horrible God. person. I guess Helen and Enola are good people. Yeah, they are our heroes. Yeah. Ugh. 
That's not much of a consolation, Chris. I found them both terribly annoying. (laughs) How can you not love Enola? You know what it is? I just kept thinking of her as Baby Mac. So I was like, Baby Mac can do no wrong. She's great. Like, I think at some point I was just like, oh, my God, kill the mother. The child, there's a chance. You could train it up to be a good little drifter. (laughs) (laughs) I was the opposite. Oh, really? I don't like Enola. I think she's annoying. Oh, no, she is, but I figure, like, if he works with her, he can turn her into a sensible adult. He can teach her how to swim like a dolphin. Yeah. She can do that up on the back of the tail thing, you know? Yes. Because she's exactly. still young and agile. And if she yeah. sells enough bracelets and keychains, she'll have enough money to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're raising money to go to SeaWorld. Oh. Your mom goes to SeaWorld. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, she lives there, idiot. She's the main attraction. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> How do you die in a fire at a sea park? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right. Before the Mariner gets pulled out of the water and the Enforcer shows up, I love to do my actor introductions related to characters. And because the, as I dub him, the population elder is one of the first people to speak up and say, hey, Enforcer, why are you getting involved? Let's talk about Sab Shimono for a moment. Saburo Shimono was born on July 31st, 1937 in Sacramento, California to Masauchi and Edith Shimono. He and his family were among those interred by the United States government during World War II, first at the Tula Lake and then Grenada War Relocation Centers. Following the end of the war, Shimono attended Sacramento High School and graduated from UC Berkeley. While at UC Berkeley as a pre-med student, Shimono took an acting class to bolster his grade point average, a decision that ultimately changed his life. Shimono has an extensive career performing on stage with his formal theater credits beginning in 1964 with Flower Drum Song at the Melody Fair Theater and extending through to 2019 with Aubergine at the South Coast Repertory. Between his appearances on television, in movies, and as a voice in video games, Shimono has 122 acting credits listed on his IMDb page. His top four, according to IMDb, are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 as Lord Norinaga, Southland Tales as Hideo Takahashi, this movie, Waterworld, as the Elder, and also Presumed Innocent, where he played Painless Kumagai. While his television roles were mostly one-episode appearances, 80s kids like us will probably recognize him from such 90s and 2000s cartoons. He voiced Uncle in the Jackie Chan Adventures. He oh. was the Emperor in Samurai Jack, and he voiced Monk Gyatso in Avatar The Last Airbender, which means that in at least two different projects, he played an elder character, mm. as in he was like the elder of a civilization sort of thing. Anyway. He's also in the shadow. Shimono is also a co-host of APM Reports' eight-chapter podcast, Order 9066. He tells his personal story in the bonus episode titled Sab Shimono, remembers camp. Sab Shimono is openly gay and has been with his partner, writer Steve Allen Nelson, since 2001, with the couple registering their domestic partnership in 2005 and then getting married in San Diego on June 23rd, 2008. I have never watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh boy. Listen, it's the third movie in a trilogy. It's, it's, (laughs) no, it sure is. (laughs) I I did watch the scene where Lord Norinaga fights the blue one. 
Leonardo. Leonardo. Did, did you see him get a haircut at the end? Yes. Yes, it That's did. So, so fucking offense. Oh, <sighs> shoot. <laughs> I almost managed. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what is more embarrassing for an actor? To lose a fight to a giant turtle and then have your top knot cut off and then being trapped inside a giant bell or being in Waterworld. <laughs> Waterworld. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> no, it's. Yeah, it's. Losing to a guy that has less motion than Michael Keaton in the Batman films <laughs> is probably more embarrassing. And Turtles 3 is. Listen, the first is great. The second one is. It's I have. David Warner. Yeah, I mean, I have a nostalgia for all three films. The third one is probably objectively better than the second if you ignore the fact. Like, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I'm guessing it's probably super problematic. <laughs> it is probably not aged well. Yeah, no, I'm sure. But, like, I think it's probably, aside again from problematic elements, it's probably a better film than the second film, which is actually how I feel about Back to the Future. I much prefer the third film to the second, and I know a lot of people love the second the best. Not so with me. Anyway, what he faces at the end of Turtles 3 is definitely worse than being in Waterworld. So the reason I brought up Sab Shimono this episode, as I mentioned before I launched into his life story, the Atollers pull the Mariner out of the water and they are about to straight up strangle him right on the dock. Oh, yeah. And the yep. Enforcer shows up and he starts whacking people with his billy club and the population elder says, oh, by what right? And he's so indignant. And the Enforcer says... You pay me to keep the peace. This isn't it. He is clearly against mob violence. And the other elders pop in. You've got the commerce elder that was hanging out in the bank earlier. And he says, no, he has killed one of us. And for everything that the elders throw at the enforcer, he has an answer for them. And I really appreciate that he's here to be a calm head amongst yeah. a whole bunch of lunatics. Yeah, I definitely assume he's not from there. Like, he's a drifter Same. who showed up one day, and for whatever reason, they convinced him to stay and be their muscle. Because he's just too reasonable. Like, yeah, there's no zealotry in him. Like, hey, you're a big guy with a cool haircut and a scruffy beard. Why don't you come strong-arm strangers for us? Yeah. How do you feel about teenage girls? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, he was probably offered the same thing that the Mariner was. Yeah. And he proved yeah. himself willing and able, so they made room for him because we know there's a population yeah. issue so they had to have made room for him he sailed into the atoll for the first time and the elders were like hey we've been looking for a uh, diet harvey Keitel." <laughs> <laughs> he'll do oh that would be a very different film <laughs> <laughs> the whole issue of self-defense and people killing in self-defense in media it gets misconstrued so often that someone will genuinely kill another in self-defense, but get prosecuted and treated like it was straight up cold-blooded murder. Like Con Air. Yeah, it's scary that somebody who is genuinely defending themselves is then attacked for murdering somebody. So I really, really love that he's like, no, 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 it was self-defense. You're not going to blame him for that. You're not going to punish him for that murder because it wasn't murder. I love that there's somebody willing to stand up for the Mariner. Yeah. And on the bright side, there's another vacancy in the Atoll. 
True. Yeah. Maybe the guy who's trying to sell his hair, maybe he can come inside now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that poor little dude. He just wanted a small cup of hydro. Yeah. Oh, it's so brutal the way that Kevin Costner redirected the knife, spun it around into the guy's stomach, and then it looks like he just pulled as hard as he could to mm. get that knife into the guy's stomach. Yeah. It looked too easy. Well. He's used to fighting underwater, unlike Johnny <laughs> Atoll. And he's got the strength of a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything moves slower underwater, and the other guy wasn't trained, so. Yeah. That's true, actually. A lot of people do, like, water resistance training, so Kevin Costner probably is a little stronger than the average bear. Yeah. Or dolphin. He's also not suffering from oxygen loss. Yeah. yeah. He's at full capacity. Yep. While other people, the longer they're under there, the less capable they are. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate about the Enforcer here is that he is such a reasonable individual when it comes to atoll justice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he should have a show. <gasps> he should have a show. Oh, my God. Every time I, I hear a phrase in my head where it's insert thing here justice i just oh, yeah. think oh that should be a tbs show but that is the only tone of voice it, it must be spoken in yeah but it reminded me of all those times on star trek where the klingons or the romulans are like hey let's blow this up and starfleet's like hey maybe not you know you've got so many good starfleet captains like picard where he's like you know why don't we talk it out first and don't immediately resort to destruction yeah. Once yeah, like, they make it to the Admiralty, though, it's all downhill. Oh, yeah. They go bad. I mean, I'm pretty sure there is somewhere on YouTube a supercut of every time Worf suggested kerploding things. <laughs> and Picard just goes, now, wait a minute. So clearly he learned nothing because we just covered an episode where Worf blows up. Well, he blows up what they initially think is like a passenger ship. Because it just pops up in front of him and he's like, ah, it's fire! All <laughs> ultra photon whatevers, get it! And it's all a trick in the end. But I'm just saying, clearly, all that time, seven years with Picard, nothing learned. You can't blame Worf for that. He got hit in the head with boxes so many times. <laughs> he's taken down by many blue barrels. Yeah. <laughs> so many barrels. He would hate Waterworld. I feel like they must have barrels, barrels, on, barrels on barrels. He might like the jet skis, though. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't? I'm so glad that Next Generation never did corporate crossover special promotion episodes where they went into the holodeck and suddenly they were on Waterworld or <laughs> we're going to do a Robin Hood episode, but here comes Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. Corporate oh, crossover. No way. I wish they would have had Alan Rickman on. Yeah, because the, All right. The that actual... was probably a bad example. That one actually would have <laughs> yeah. been good. That would have been awesome. So, uh, the actual Robin Hood episode is kind of middling. Oh my god, it's terrible. Is that the one with um Girlface? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. But it does have the like Animal House moment where Worf just destroys Jordy's loot, which is good. <laughs> anyway, we've gotten off of Waterworld. I apologize. I think it is good that we brought up Robin Hood because we have a small interlude with Gregor powering up the generator and we can talk about that, but I do want to remark that when we rejoin the Mariner after all of this nonsense he is in a metal hanging cage not oh, dissimilar yeah. to the metal hanging cage that robin of loxley finds his father hanging inside of when he returns home from the crusades i didn't make that connection till you said it yeah that's true that's a movie that i watched like as a kid 
when it was new and throughout the 90s. I watched that movie. I've always enjoyed that movie. It took me way too long to understand what was really going on with that cage. That there was a dead Brian Blessed inside? Yeah. Yeah. Poor Brian Blessed. Yeah. No Gordon's alive situation for him this time around. No. God, I, f- <laughs> I forgot Brian Blessed was his old man. I gotta rewatch that. I've never seen it. I mean, there's a reason that oh, he got his butt good. handed to him I by don't... Alan Rickman and his, I guess, middle ages Ku Klux Klan. Mm. They definitely went for that imagery. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, hard. Yeah. Wait, is this the Robin Hood that Kevin Costner was in, too, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm connecting some dots. I've never seen his Robin Hood, and I don't think I've, aside from Dances with Wolves, which I have seen, I don't think I've really seen many Costner films, so his filmography in my brain. He has the same accent in every movie. I feel like he was talking like the water boy in this film. Does <laughs> anybody else feel that way? And I, yeah, water, water boy. Good. Good joke, too. I didn't even, that wasn't intentional. I just felt like he was, like, affecting a weird voice. It would, it would come and go. It was Yeah, strange. there were some times, I agree, where there was something weird going on. Like every time yeah. he tries to speak Portugreek. Portugreek. <laughs> what were they speaking at the atoll initially? French? No, uh, Portugreek, it's just the generic, quote unquote, trading language of oh, so Waterworld. So it's what they speak everywhere. Exactly. Oh, okay, okay. They speak Portugreek and English. Everywhere. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course they still yeah. speak English. Because as soon as they hear Kevin Costner try and speak Portugreek, they're like, no, 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 no. English is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Your accent is atrocious. atrocious. See, that's why they didn't. That's why they didn't choose French because a French person, if you couldn't speak French well, would just ignore you. At least the Parisians, they'd never be like, "Yeah, we'll speak English for you." Oh. <laughs> Let's pop back inside real quick because we see Gregor. He is the old mad scientist type character. Yep. He has no dialogue in this minute, but this is technically the first time we see him. He toddles over. He unlocks a crank of some kind and as he turns it the belts connected to the atoll's windmill connects up to the generator it sparks and begins producing power one of the major details that we learned from behind the scenes materials specifically a peter raider interview is that there are no batteries on Waterworld, so there's no way to store this electricity it has to flow directly from the generator into the lights of the atoll which is why when you see the lights dim and then come back up, that's just fluctuating speeds of the windmill. Huh. Well, that's fascinating. I don't know about anyone else, but when the Atoll lit up, I got wicked Sweet Haven and Popeye vibes. <laughs> don't know if anyone else it's saw just, that. No one else has seen Popeye. It's just you. Yeah, I think it's just you. <laughs> There's a lot to be said for the Robin Williams Popeye movie. I'm just not the person to say those things. <laughs> uh, I will offer one thing, which is that his muscly forearms might be as bad, if not worse, than Kevin Cosner's webbed feet. That's fair. Ooh. Because they are... That's rough. ...very foamy looking. Like, I've never actually seen the movie. It is an experience that I think everyone needs to have at least once. I like my Shelley Duvall in The Shining. I Oh, she's amazing. I'm not necessarily jonesing to see her as olive oil. But she is olive oil. It's like (laughs) olive oil climbed out of the funny pages and started practicing, hello, I'm Shelley Duvall, and that's it. (laughs) I know at the moment it is, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it free. It comes and goes on Netflix. 
it's astounding to watch this bizarre it is to a fault it is an aesthetically perfect adaptation of Popeye in that like they gave everyone bespoke shoes that actually have you know how in the Popeye cartoons everyone's shoes have big bumps on the end mm-hmm. all the actors are wearing oversized clown shoes with bumps on the end they gave Robin Williams the giant forearms which in a cartoon you're like of course and in real life your brain goes no oh those are tumors yeah you <laughs> oh, know God, it's a, isn't there a family guy yep, scene where there is that the, our forearms are tumors and like yeah the reason why you speak like that yeah you had a stroke some years ago uh, <laughs> bluto has a character song called i'm mean which repeatedly rhymes the word mean with mean <laughs> which isn't rhyming that's just using the same word and then you sit there you go wait a minute this is a robert altman film what happened I think it's time that we confess that we actually agreed to come on this podcast to proselytize about Popeye. So I'm really sorry. We're here under false pretenses. That's not entirely true, but it has been on my mind a lot lately because I keep running into people who've never even heard of it. I get not having seen it, but I've run into people lately who've just never even heard of it. And they're like, wait, there's a Popeye live action musical from the 80s? It is an experience that I think everyone should have. Because you never know, maybe you'll love it like I loved Waterworld. Can we talk about how Kevin Costner is locked in a cage hanging above the atoll and he is sitting there helplessly as people steal his stuff Oh, unopposed? That really is a bum out. All that water. Like, he just bought everything. everything. <laughs> the tomato plant wasn't even for sale. I'm surprised the state didn't confiscate it. Yeah, yeah seriously. And just to watch people. These random atollers crawling over it like bugs. Like, in, like we're far away. It's a high up shot. Yeah. They are not full-size humans to us. They are literally scavenging insects. And to watch Kevin Costner, the look on his face as he's holding on to those bars, you could snapshot that and play Sarah McLaughlin over it. Yeah. For one cup of hydro a day, you can sponsor this sad <laughs> dolphin boy. <laughs> Again, that just makes you hate them even more. Mm-hmm. Which again, you know, like, yeah, no, to heck with it. We're not going to make anyone the good guys here. This is what you get in Waterworld. T.S. T.S. It says a lot, though, about the Mariners not tying skills that they are trying to unlash the boat from the dock. And one of them says, oh, it's too tight. I can't get it off. <laughs> Which I'm sure is also a sly comment on his bedroom prowess. <laughs> are they trying to steal the boat as a whole oh for sure and like leave with it it's a good Dude, wouldn't boat you want it is boat? a really good boat the sweet stuff he's got going on with the bringing up his shoes and the sails unfurling on their own oh man it's an sweet amazing ride. boat i love but that boat to steal it they would have to leave the atoll with it mm-hmm. true wouldn't you yeah so there are people who live on the atoll, who don't want to live on the atoll, who want to leave. Which makes total sense, because if you think of the atoll as a sleepy little town in the Midwest, people don't stick around. They want to leave. They want to go make their own way in the world. But there are no bigger cities out there. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, this is the big city. This is not a sleepy town in the Midwest. No, yeah, I think it's no. just that people keep being like, you want to sleep with this 15-year-old? They're like, Jesus Christ, get me out of here. <laughs> Stop trying to get me to sleep with my cousin again. Oh. I feel like... <laughs> again? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. 
good. Yep. Yikes. I already like, did it once. Oh. I feel like this would be the equivalent of like someone who's only ever owned a 15-year-old like hand-me-down Corolla stealing a like full-spec Lamborghini. Mm. They wouldn't know how the stick shift works. They wouldn't know what half the buttons do. Like these people are not going to get the full use out of this boat that they could. Because it still involves some work from the owner. It's not going to do it for them. Like, it would not have ended well. That's true. They'd crash it. Yeah. Be a real Ferris Bueller's day off. If they could even get it out of the atoll. Yeah, like, they would run into Dennis Hopper in ten seconds, and he would end them. Well, he's going to anyway. True. When they first showed Gregor starting up his machine, because I didn't know what was going to be a generator. Well, I knew it was obviously a generator. But I didn't realize he was lighting up the town. I was definitely expecting to cut over to, like, Kevin Costner in the Waterworld equivalent of the Princess Bride torture machine. Oh. But in a way, like you said, it, it's actually almost worse that the torture is more just he's in that cage watching his stuff get took. I feel like he'd rather just be in a bed somewhere getting zapped. He's a very territorial individual. He doesn't like people touching his things. He pitches a fit later on in this movie when Enola steals his crayons. Yeah. She takes his crayons, and he starts whining and crying like he is the toddler in that situation. And he Clearly even... an only child. Yeah. Okay, like, it's the... And it's not like he even uses them. There's one of the things he hoards in his little... He's a real Ariel, isn't he? Yeah. Why didn't oh we get God. a little part of your world song in this? Oh. oh, I would kill for this movie to be musical. Do you Look think... at this crayon. Isn't it green? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's maybe been long enough that he's maybe now got a good enough sense of humor about this that we could crowdfund, like, him just putting on the costume and just <laughs> singing part of your world? We don't even rewrite it. Like, he just sings it as it was originally. And he's just grabbing stuff in his house. And, <laughs> like, I'd love to see that. So, to be clear, the Mariner costume or an Ariel costume? Mariner. Oh. But maybe with an Ariel wig? Yeah. Uh, an Ariel wig, but... Cut back to here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll poorly CGI some like scribble on top. They're like, no, no, it's fine. You could easily do that with the original song as it is in the Little Mermaid movie, or oh, you could yeah. rewrite the words to be in character for the Mariner. You can sing mm. about how he doesn't want to be where That's the people true. are. <laughs> Why won't you all leave me alone? <laughs> Bravo. I want to be where the people aren't. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to the end of this chunk of minutes. The very last thing we see is the bow of a boat oh, entering yeah. the shot. But we don't get to figure out what's up with that boat until next week. Uh. Before we wrap up completely, every time two drifters meet on the open ocean, it's important that something be exchanged. So why don't you two tell us a little bit more about a star to steer her by? So a star to steer her by, if you look us up, we are most active on Facebook because unfortunately that's still the easiest place to get people to notice you. You can find us on SoundCloud by looking up SSHB podcast. Our goal is to go through all of Star Trek. We started about four years ago with TOS. You know, we were going in order. We uh, are currently a little more than halfway through Deep Space Nine. Yes, mid-season mid four. We even did the original animated series. Yeah, and we'll probably be done with the project in like, I don't know, 
2029 unless they keep making they more Star Trek keep... shows. Yeah, we started this when Disco Discovery had, had been announced as coming, oh, yeah. but hadn't started yet. Mm. And now every time we turn around, CBS is announcing a new spinoff or a new series or a new whatever. Well, so. exactly, because since Discovery, so now we're there's going to be a third season of Discovery coming yep. this fall. Yep. And then they had a season of Picard recently. And then Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds is a spinoff from Discovery because Anson Mount as Captain Pike was too sexy and the world <laughs> demanded more. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Anson Mount, if you're listening, we love you. And now, of course, they have a new animated show. It's kind of like Lower Decks, adulty ish, I guess. Lower Decks, yeah. But yeah, you know, so the, the show's the, never going to end. At the I'm very saying. least, our main goal is to at least get through the end of Enterprise, and then if we haven't killed each other by then, we'll we'll move on to the all access shows. Yeah, I will warn anyone who decides to jump over. We work very blue. We swear uh, a lot. It's not even the swearing so much as you and Jake love certain humor, which gets very adult. I just want to warn people because I know this show is much more family friendly. Ours is is not mostly because of Caitlin and Jake. <laughs> <laughs> which is why every time I'm, I join Rick or Julia on their show, you probably hear way more bleeping than any other guest spots. Caitlin Sorry. puts me through my paces as an editor. Sorry. For sure. Only once today. Only once today. Only once. That's a that's a new record. There we go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So that's what we do. And we have, yeah, like Chris was saying, we have our two co-hosts, Jake and Ames. Yep. Jake is like the biggest Star Trek nerd I've ever met. Yep. And he has a lot of wonderful information that he just pulls out. Like his third grade pictures at his school, he's wearing an engineering outfit. <laughs> like actually. That's adorable. It yeah, is. It is really cute. It is. Uh, but yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, absolutely. As for our show, coming up next time, we will get to see the real Smoker Spy sail away unscathed, and the Atoll Elders will begin deliberating over what to do with the mutant in their midst. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Waterworld was written by Peter Rader and David Tuohy. Directed by Kevin Reynolds and presented by Universal Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Ire by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute. And like us on Facebook by searching Mad Max Minute and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash madmaxmin. Thank you for joining us for Waterworld episode 12. We'll see you next time.